Hello, listeners and friends and wine aficionados. Wait, welcome, wait, and then welcome to a bonus episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. I'm Sean Linehan, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Jen Waring. Yay! And Jen, why are we here today? Well, you know, we like a good bonus. Who doesn't? Oh, man. A buy one, one get one. Oh, hey. Oh, this episode just started naughtier than we planned. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, who doesn't like a good bonus? And normally, you know, we tie it into the episode or into a listener question or, you know, cork, <laughs> cork yeah. stuff. Cork but stuff this happens. episode, I was like, hey, Sean, this is fascinating. Let's do a bonus episode about it. And he is like, okay. And so the this is you guys have all already listened to our last episode. We know probably three times, uh, at least three. Oh my God. Uh, about Chardonnay. And while I was doing my dummy head research about Chardonnay, which really is just looking for fun facts. We all know this. I it, it was fascinated to learn how much the making of the mm-hmm. wine can affect the taste of Chardonnay in particular, because Chardonnay, as you learned last week, and we all learned last week together, um, is both the place of thistles and a very um, easy peasy lemon squeezy grape. Yeah, it's, it's a good canvas. A can- oh, it's a canvassy grape. It's a canvassy grape. It's a good grape for a winemaker to really showcase uh, their skills or what they feel uh, is the best expression or truest form of the grape. Like last week, we talked about how um, the Le Angere French Chardonnay that we were drinking um, really tasted like it was from a warm Mediterranean south of France climate, and it really expressed ter- the terroir of Pédoc. And this time, we have a Californian Chardonnay from the north of California uh, in Monterey called Divum or Divum or Divam or I don't know. It did not come with a pronunciation guide. I like to pronounce it without that second vowel, like the weakened, uh, <laughs> so the, the, the artist. So I just like to go with Divum. <laughs> um, but the winemakers in this one, when they pulled out all the stops, you got fun things that we'll talk about that went into the, Right, because it's, it's not yeah. just the terroir, as we learned, right. although a word I like to say less than you, um, although that obviously plays into it, but it's also the how you make it, like how you doing of wine. Um, it's the Wendy Williams process that I just made up in my head. Um, but, you know, we're all, listen, we're all trapped at home in this quarantine, or at least sensible mm-hmm. people are. And so we're trying like, new, oh, look, I'm going to bake my bread in a different way this week because maybe it'll affect how it comes out. and. Yeah. What with certain wines, you've got that power all barreled up. <laughs> ah, fun tie-in. <laughs> bottles come from emptying barrels, and yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but our our Chardonnay last time didn't have all the the, the lingerie. Mm-hmm. Can you hear the extra A I put in there? Yeah, you added that. Um, That's nice. Thanks. Uh, because it was all mostly steel aged, so it was really yep. really fruity. Not the normal chardonnay buttery word but this one is the other end right this one's the other end this is it's uh this one's going to be buttery it's gonna be it goes through malolactic fermentation which we'll talk about it's going to be buttery it's going to be smooth and rich uh it's not going to have those bright tropical fruit flavors Um, i mean i believe you 
I'm going to go ahead and crack it here. Do it. Do it. I, as ever, um, cracked in advance. <laughs> and uh, so this to me smells like a Chardonnay. The last one was delicious. I prefer a less buttery white if I'm going to go white. But you know what they say once you go red. Um, so the that's not a thing. Anyone's Wine is dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, I was going to go with once you go red, right, Ted Fred. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. That was 30 something years Shout ago. Out. We'll tag charts. that guy. Where we is sure he now? Um, but the this is a very typical to me smelling. Yeah. Sharp. I mean, it's it's you can tell by looking at it. The color is more golden than the last. Does, if someone was just carrying this in a jug, <laughs> let's say out of a house, it would look like they were carrying a jar. Of pee. If somebody had, say, a plastic container from a bullet movie maker. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it would definitely look like they were hugging a jug of pee. That's what it would look like. Taking it to the parole office. Whoop, whoop. All right, let's have a little taste here. Mm. That. Yeah. Wow. Okay, there's actually, there's a whole lot going on here. So Monterey is a really cool climate. And sure. as we talked about... It has this weird maritime trench thing where cold water gets pulled up from the things and it affects the yada, yada, yada. Um, but it, as we talked about, Chardonnay grown in cold weather gets really, really bright, strong acid. And so uh, winemakers will temper that by fermenting in oak, by aging with oak uh, through malolactic uh, fermentation, sometimes called malolactic conversion, which is more accurate. Um, and just by tweaking it that way and letting it age in the bottle. This is a 2016, so it's been sitting in the bottle for four years. Um, what do you taste, Jen? Um, definitely oak. No, uh, that's not fair. It doesn't taste at all like oak, people. But it's definitely been sitting in oak. It's definitely got a different... It's not as sharp. Yeah, the acid's as very our, muted. As our last one. It's got a little honey thing going on for me. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some fruit in there. I'm trying yeah. to figure out which one, but just a calmer fruit, like maybe a peach, maybe a peach like a, little... like a, a, sen a more sensitive fruit, but really ripe. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like super, super ripe. So it's got like, you're not even going to make cobbler with this peach. Cause it's no. not going to hold its shape. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's you're going to puree it and put it in your smoothie. <laughs> in your smoothie that formerly may or may not have had wine. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a bullet, you've dumped the wine out of your bullet container and you've made a peach smoothie with this peach. It has a little bit of that kind of olive brine uh, minerality. Yeah, that's sure. Very indicative of Monterey and of uh, Northern Coast California Chardonnays. Um, so it's, it's not expressing place right away. Super buttery. No, it's, it's pretty mellow. I think the acid was really, really high. So even with the mallow, um, it doesn't get as creamy as, say, like a Napa Chardonnay would, mm. um, which is good for me. Yeah, no, no, no. Over buttery is uh, one of the things I learned is that because how you not I mean, the acid thing played a part, but I stopped reading about that because I got bored. So the <laughs> but what you store it in before it moves to bottles, whether it's stainless steel uh, cask, I guess, is that the word for the vat? Whatever the uh, yeah. right word is for the stainless yeah. steel jug versus the oak jug, uh, which some kids call a barrel. Um, and then how old that oak jug is. Yeah. You know, the Chardonnay is easy to over oak. 
and when it was big on the buttery, that's what they were going for. They were yeah, like, let's fucking oak the shit out of this. Using it sounded oak. a little dirty. <laughs> hugging Bro, oak, hugging oak jugs. You. Oak jugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. But the, oftentimes oak is used to cover flaws. Ooh. So if it wasn't a great harvest, if it got too, uh, if it was too rainy, so the, the, the fruit absorbs all that water and loses its flavor essentially or uh if it was picked late or if there was damage or something they will oak it to cover a lot of flaw uh wow. and you see that with with big like yellowtails and sutter homes and the big box wine companies sure um they won't even put them in an oak barrel they'll take <laughs> oak chips and put it into the stainless steel and let it sit around in the oak chips Okay, I wish everybody could see my face right now because that's fucking gross. Like, <laughs> I don't want you to have to strain the splinters out of my wine. Well, they're going to strain the wine anyway. No, I know, but not for splinters. <laughs> um, the thing is, oak barrels are very, very expensive. Uh, that's true. They probably are. And, I don't own any. Uh, you only really get two uses. Oh, really? Of, yeah, before I. So, it moves use on number to... two, it becomes old oak? Yeah. Because the wine leaches so much of the, that is not the flavor profile, the vanillins and things out of the oak that it's not worth aging uh, wine in anymore. So then you see it move on to other liquors and spirits will use used barrels. Um, but, uh, this one was made with new French oak that had been toasted. Toast is when they char the inside. Mm -hmm, uh, as opposed to put the barrel in a giant <laughs> barrel sized toaster. They get their marmalade ready. <laughs> Pop. And, yep. <laughs> Chardonnay Lady Marmalade. That's my favorite song about wine that doesn't mm. exist yet. We'll write That's... one. We're going to film the video when we can be together. When um, we can be together on the we'll street. We'll, we'll dress like burlesque whores and sing. And we'll hold our ear. I mean, lot. we'll continue to dress as we are, which right, is. Yeah, I mean, it's what we're wearing now. Yeah. We'll be outside. It's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can definitely, I mean, it's just, you, it's so funny because as from the like bartender server perspective, when people ask for a Chardonnay, as we covered last time, they don't always, they don't have any sense because I didn't have a huge sense. If I wanted a bright, fruity, acidy white, I would never order a Chardonnay because nine times out of 10, that's not what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but what a difference between these two Chardonnays. It's incredible to think like it's the exact same grape. Uh, it right, could, that's it, crazy. If we went down the you know the genetics line, they might even be the same clone. They could be the like the exact same grape, just grown, you know, a couple thousand miles apart from each other, and then handled by the winemaker differently. So it went, that's kind of nice because if you're a, if you're a fancy pants winemaker, you could really put your like Sean Linehan stamp as the winemaker on just, your grape. Just stamp it right up. Just right on the stamp it right in there. Just, that's what I would do. Yeah, right on the grape's head. <laughs> the grape axe is a lovely canvas to paint your stamp upon. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> you, but you can. You really make an expression of yourself and what you have a lot to play with uh, in making Chardonnay. And that's, that's exciting and fun. Yeah. Because, you, you know, if you don't know anything about grapes, like, you're like, okay, this grape makes this wine, this grape makes this wine. But, like, that's, you know, there's yeah. a lot more. There's a lot more to it. Say and more. What's, say more fun. words about this acid that I don't have. <laughs> okay. So uh, the process of malolactic fermentation or malolactic conversion um, is when you take the malic acid that is already naturally present in wine and convert it to Just lactic there. acid. And that's the milk one. That's the milk one. And it's uh, 
people say malolactic fermentation, but it's not fermentation. Fermentation has already happened. It's done. The wine is just sitting there. This is when some bacteria. Dunzos, people. It's 2021. Learn the right words. <laughs> What's this acid's pronouns? Got somebody shoveling out my window here. That's nice. Ugh, shovelers. Um, but the, uh, it's bacteria. Bacteria that's naturally in a winery, a winery that's been around for a while will have this yeah, just that part's in the not air. as appealing. And it goes in and it eats all the pretty uh, malic acid molecules and poops them out as lactic acid. Okay, I'm glad that that's not the term they use. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, conversion is nice. It's better yeah. than digest and poop. <laughs> digest uh, and poop. Because that's not as pretty a word. But they, look, look, everybody has a job. It's good to have a job. It is. I don't it's have important. a job, but and it's good for the bacteria to have a job. They they got the work they got to do. That's why they're here on the planet. They keep Dar- uh, everything from the, the. They keep our wines buttery and our gut biomes happy. Listen, Darwin knew what he was talking about, and if they didn't have a good job, they wouldn't still live here. That's that's uh, science I just made up. I like that self-made up science. I I Thanks. support that. <laughs> um, but for winemakers that don't want malolactic conversion to happen they have to work real hard in the winery to keep that from happening because like i said it's naturally occurring it's in the air it's in the vessels oak or otherwise uh, already so they have and to so is that why they use the lights. steel no they use steel to keep uh to not get any of the oh. oak flavoring any of any of the components that naturally exist in oak so how do you stop it if you're worried about Sulfites. it if you're like you're, if you're like back off bacteria <laughs> uh Chemical additives, sulfites, oh, okay. things that you add in the process. Uh, so when to make white wine, you start by growing some grapes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a great place to start. Uh, some well. of these grapes are red or purple, and some right. are green. We've learned it's in the, it's in the skin. We don't judge a grape skin. by yeah. its cover. And then you press them and you, you squish all the juice out. We've seen Lucille Ball. <laughs> if they're red grapes, then you immediately remove the skins and make sure they don't sit on their skins. If they're white grapes, you'd go, you could take a little longer, uh, depending if you want to try and get some tannins. People say white wine don't have tannins. White wines don't have tannins, but they do just not in real measurable quantities. Uh, and then you press it all. And then you've got your fermentation, your alcoholic fermentation that happens either in your steel vat or your oak. If it's in oak, uh, there's also exposure to oxygen that happens. So you get some oxygen oxygenation. It's a um, tough one. It's a hard word to say. It's up there it with is. that sauce that you put in Bloody Mary's. Oh, the Worcestershire? Yeah, Worcestershire sauce, that one. I like to pronounce the Shire because I'm a fan of the Hobbits. <laughs> oh, I wonder if they would like an oaky Chardonnay. I feel like they'd like anything. They're big drinkers. <laughs> they're, big they're, drinkers. Little, they're little people. They drink big. They're little know? big drinkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you, you put it into... Uh, whatever vessel you're going to store it in, you bottle age it, and then you ship it out to the people. That's, I mean, listen, we've all had a basic recipe. We've seen the Great British Bake Off. It, when they do the technical mm-hmm. challenge, they get a skeleton of a recipe, right? And this is the same. That's the skeleton of the wine recipe. And now Joe Bag of Donuts winemaker can <laughs> do whatever he needs to do, or Josephine, whatever she needs to do, to judge it. To, to zhuzh it. I think, yeah, that's the technical word. <laughs> who, um, who can spell zhuzh? Can anybody, can anybody I just... I don't know that it has a spelling. I think it's just funner to assume it doesn't. Yeah. It it's exists. A symbol. Sans spelling. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's a since... symbol like Prince for those tiny years. Oh, for those tiny years. And he was the 
artist formerly known as. God rest him. Um, Amen. So this one, like we said, French oak, um, this is all from one vineyard. It's sustainably grown. So this are people that pay a lot of attention to the ground, to the soil and to their tiny plot of land. Nice um, work. Which means people they at Divum. also pay a lot of attention to how the wine is going to taste ultimately. And they pay attention to the every step along the way uh, to create this big, bold food parable wine. Yummy. And today, uh, because sometimes if you leave the pairing to me, you're only going to get baked goods. Um, <laughs> and this pairing is down to me. So I don't know if you guys, if listeners, if you know about this in, in the Astoria area, um, although I think they now ship nationwide on gold. Belly? Gold belly. Sure. That's a thing. Um, there's this great, uh, yummy society called the shortbread society and uh fun right who doesn't want this is a society i totally am putting the COVID 19 on with um (laughs) because it's so delicious and every week they offer like six or seven shortbread flavors um made by scottish chef francis and uh and his wife and just they're just a two-person team knocking out all these shortbreads every week and uh, and so this week they were selling the the fancy flavor inspired by a bakery of their childhood their fancy flavors were all based on italian cookies Ooh. so i got for sean and i uh the italian butter cookie shortbread um which just came adorably packaged uh with uh red and the naturally occurring green yes uh, glacé cherry um <laughs> the, the green cherry orchards are just stunning oh, this time of year there's nothing better than tiptoe through the green orchards <laughs> uh green cherry orchards just green blobs of and they're all shiny covered already in glacé right on the tree um and then it, they it, it's covered in, in powdered sugar and it's I mean, the word, the word butter is in the title. So I was like, yeah, this is buttery Chardonnay, buttery shortbread. Let's go. Let us see how this pairs together. Typically, this, I'd like a disclaimer. Literally no basis for pairing these things <laughs> other than the word butter. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to go ahead and taste the shortbread Ooh, yeah, me wine too. first. Okay, good call. It wow. smells yummo. That is butter. It's very short. Oh, it's yummy. I like that. <laughs> it's kind of like birthday cake. Like that flavor that you would get, uh, like birthday cake mm-hmm, Oreos or something, mm-hmm. but like gourmet. Gourmet birthday cake. That's my mm. favorite kind. You know, it's so cake. good. First of all, I love shortbread. It's a very underappreciated cookie, you know, because like there are people are just like, man, whatever. It's just butter and flour. But like <laughs> they make crazy varieties every week. You should follow them on the Instagram. Um. They're not even like sponsoring us or anything. I just eat that much fucking shortbread. <laughs> In fact, we sponsor them. Right, right now <laughs> we, we are paying for them to be here. But um, this is a simpler version. Like I had a chocolate version once. It was like called Death by Chocolate Shortbread that had like Cocoa Krispies wow. and like uh, ganache. I mean, oh my God, it was decadent. It was so decadent. You had to say the tea. <laughs> this is a very simple butter, whatever, which I just felt like know. it's good i like this um i do say that the cherries which i ordinarily wouldn't norm- normally care for um they add a lot because it is so butter rich yeah. having that little bit of cherry really cu- helps cut through and uh highlight the kind of vanilla flavors here all right so when you're pairing wine with sweet foods the general rule is the wine should be sweeter than the food i don't know if we've hit that <laughs> i don't think we're gonna hit that but let's see what's up here 
It's not awful. I'm ahead of you because I'm a fat bastard who can't not eat all the shortbread. Also, my dog is staring at me like, bitch, give me some of that shortbread. <laughs> I think if my cat was awake, she'd be doing the same thing. Um, now, that's interesting. Because I don't hate it, Sean. I don't hate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I was hesitant to say it out loud in case you, like, slapped me through the Zoom, but I don't <laughs> hate it. No, it, it's, it's, it removes all the creaminess from the wine because there's so much fat and cream texture in this shortbread that it completely covers my tongue and overpowers the creamy texture of the wine. And so the acid is much more present and you're getting a little bit more of that um, super ripe peach or even yeah. pineapple flavor. Ooh, yeah, yeah, pineapple. Yes, good. I get that. Hmm. I don't know what if I a fun experiment that is. That's a tasty folks, one. If we can't do this during a bonus episode, when can we do it? <laughs> I don't know why this is the voice. This is sort of food, Julia Child. Because <laughs> it's shortbread. Because <laughs> it's shortbread and it's so yummy. Um, yeah, that is that is a tasty treat. That is fun. Um, you know what? It reminds me because this is weird. I might be like talking on my ass here a little bit. The first that's of the, the name that's the under that's the subject. You're like Jen. Yeah. That's what I talk. That's how I describe you in the house. Um, <laughs> that one who talks out her ass. But the um, the first of the shortbreads I ever tried was their lemon um curd shortbread. So it was the like it was a basic shortbread, little less buttery, little less vanillary. Vanillary. Um, <laughs> I think you take uh, it was a little less a uh, vanillary. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but the and then lemon curd on top. And mm -hmm. listen, I could eat lemon curd with a spoon all day. Who could so it? It's delicious. It's delicious. Um, this almost gets us in that direction because, as you said, the the butteriness of the shortbread absorbs a little of the butteriness of the wine and yeah. allows the like citrusy fruity to like come through stronger which i'm enjoying yeah it's it's a fun pairing um dear people at divum <laughs> and i think if i were to be served um a shortbread of this consistency and richness at a restaurant i would want uh, a high acid wine to go pair with it so in an ideal world what wine in an would ideal you world prefer? but what i really like is that i'm starting with a buttery creamy wine that progresses to uh, a high acid kind of flavor profile um, without the sharp dryness that would you'd get from drinking that because you got the butter and everything. So you're getting all the same stuff together and I could eat more shortbread. And I can eat more <laughs> shortbread, which at the end of the day, if you can't eat the whole pan and drink a whole bottle, what are you doing? What are you even doing? What's, um, your, what's your deal? But if you were, if there was, like, let's say somebody was going shopping, they were like, I'm going to serve a simple buttery dessert uh, to my mother-in-law who only drinks white wine, mm -hmm. and is, that's a mother-in-law for you. Um, what, would, what would you choose, maybe, if you weren't experimenting like we are? <laughs> um, I would choose a, uh, like a, a late harvest Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, that sounds delicious. So... Sauve Blanc, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, is that beautiful grape that has very crisp uh, acids and pyrazines. And when it's left to raisinate, the new word that we love. Love the raisinating. So it, the, you know, the, the, the juice dries up a little bit, or, little bit, the sugars concentrate. And when you make that into a, a sweet wine, 
Mm. Um, you get some really delightful flavors. And I think that would pair really well. That does sound delicious too. I have a bottle in my fridge. Don't yeah, <laughs> listen, just eat the shortbread. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, listen, a little experimenting and pairing is always fun, folks. We're all at home all the time. What the hell else are you doing? Exactly. Make make whatever you're making. Maybe you're trying to make bagels this week. Maybe you're trying to perfect your kung pao chicken. I don't know what you're doing. Ooh, those are but, both good options. You know, I mean, I might just make cheese on toast later because I'm experimental. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what wine you got in your house? Yeah. Experiment. Find what works with your taste buds. You know, like we said, if you've tried a wine and you didn't like it, try another one similar because you might like it. Yeah. I mean, this honestly, if you were a person who's like, well, frankly, like me, wouldn't necessarily choose a Chardonnay if I was at the store. because it's a, just a, you know, if there's a moment I die, I'm dying for Chardonnay, I'm like, oh, I really want Chardonnay. Then that's one thing. But generally speaking, if I want white, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. In a flavor, in a flavor flavor. Um, but what a difference terroir <laughs> and the winemaking makes, because these two feel like entirely different wines. Yeah, they, they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum one from each other. Beautiful, masterful grape. One beautiful, masterful grape, the most planted white grape in the world, our friend, Lady Chardonnay Marmalade. Lady Chardonnay. I was doing the Queen Latifah notes there. I, I love it. On the remix. Nailed it. Not the original. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we could do all sorts of songs. It's raining grapes. Um, <laughs> Chardonnay wants it's raining grapes. Hey, this is um, why you get to... Uh, make our soundtrack, not me, because <laughs> people will buy it. If you make it. Who wouldn't buy that soundtrack just to burn it? Um, it is making, uh, I told Sean earlier, but for listeners, uh, I brought my bird in the room with me. I'm a little worried about her. Uh, and she is staring at me like I've lost my mind, but she uh, perked right up at the singing. She's, ah. like, she's a bird. She she's might, a songstress. She is. She might, yeah. you might hear a little tweet. She might not, because she's also a little freaked out about being in a different room. In a different room. Ah, new walls. New walls. That sun. What is that sunlight? Ah. <laughs> what have I done to this poor bird? Um, You've given it a lovely home. I have. I've got, so I've got a dog that's mad at me because I'm not sharing the shortbread. I got a bird that's <laughs> mad because, well, it's in a cage. And she's like, I know why I sing. Um, I don't need my Angelou. Uh, but I don't care because I got this lovely Chardonnay shortbread. Chardonnay pairing. and shortbread combination here on Bottled Up. Uh, you Plus heard I, it here first. I learned. Thank else. you for answering my question, Sean. I feel as lucky as a listener. Oh, I often wonder how our listeners feel at the end of our episodes. Um, and I feel lucky because I'm the one who had the question. So I assume anyone listening to this, except for those few moments where I was singing awfully loud into the microphone, feel very lucky. (laughs) And we are lucky to have you listeners. Thank you everybody for tuning in to this bottled up bonus episode. Uh, I'll put something on the webpage soon. I promise about Chardonnay, (laughs) uh, about shortbread and about Divum. Listen, we've all got a lot on. Sean will get there when he gets there. People calm down. I got the peanut the other day. (laughs) Um, thank you very much for joining us i'm sean i'm jen see you next time see you next time bye bye hey there and thanks for listening to this bonus episode of bottled up 
In today's episode, Jen and I dug into the winemaking processes that affect the ultimate flavors that you're tasting in your glass. I hope you learned a little something with us and are now inspired to go out and try some new wine. If you are, or if you did have fun, please give us a like, a short review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Those likes and subscribes are huge in keeping us on the podcast lists and helping others to discover Bottled Up. This week's wine was a 2016 Chardonnay from Devon. You can find more information on them and on all the wines that we drink on our website, bottleduppodcast.blog. For more fun wine content and random wine thoughts, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Bottled Up Podcast, all one word, or on Instagram at bottled underscore up underscore podcast. Big shout out to our Patreon patron, Ethan Steimel, and his podcast, Artistic Finance. Jen and I are finalizing the details of what being a Patreon subscriber means to Bottled Up, and we'll be launching a full-scale Patreon site and programming with the publishing of episode 10. It's pretty exciting, and we can't wait to share all of that with you. Bottled Up is produced in Astoria, New York by me, Sean Linehan, and my amazing co-host is Jen Waring. You can contact us from the contact page on our website, bottleduppodcast.blog. Today's music is from Scott Buckley, and links to his music can be found in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and drink up.